You're listening to audio from the St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. As babies, we're pretty much terrible at everything. We eat, we sleep, we poop, and then we cry. Rarely, though, has anyone ever seen a baby with feelings of inadequacy that they display. Yes? It's usually the parents. Why are they not at X percentile of height and weight? Why does somebody else's kid walk or crawl more quickly? Why did their child talk more quickly than mine did? And then we get bigger, and we start hanging out with other people, and they point out our inadequacies very quickly. Have you noticed this? All you got to do is make it to the first day of nursery school, and you'll find it. And we develop these feelings of insecurity that go with that. And the question behind all of it we're really asking is, why don't I measure up? Why am I not more like him or her I wonder this morning, what are you insecure about in your life? What are the inadequacies that you feel you have that you struggle with? And you know what we've been talking about throughout this teaching series is that there are really two different ways to do life. There's an outside-in way to do happiness where we get the right certifications, hang out with the right people, the right assets, the right affirmations, the right experiences, and the right titles or the kind of conclusive inside-out happiness where we're happy with who God made us to be, and that's all well and good. And we say, of course, the inside-out is the way to go. We know that intuitively, but is that really how we pursue life? See, because I think our human tendency is to measure our own inadequacies and insecurities against other people. It's why we ask the questions we do. What do you do? Where'd you go to school? Where do you live? What do you love? Who do you vote for? And then all these insecurities and inadequacies start spilling out. And the way that we measure these things, or better yet, judge these things, we have a lot of great euphemisms for it now. Inventory taking, measuring, gauging, competing, the spiritual act of discerning. But in many ways, really what they do is fuel judging. And behind all of it, we're asking this question as we feel insecure or wholly inadequate, why don't I measure up? Now, to be sure, I don't think competition is a bad thing. In fact, I think the days where everybody gets a seventh place ribbon for participating, we really need to end those. They haven't done our kids any good. You need to learn how to win and be gracious and lose and how to be gracious, the saying in the Ebel family household goes something like this, you don't have to like losing, but you don't have to act like a loser either. you got to learn how to win and how to lose, and more importantly, to recognize at the end of the day, whether you win or you lose, it really doesn't define who you are. That's something God alone gives us. We're always growing. And yet, where do we try to find our affirmations from? Other people. 
We put our sense of identity and self-worth in the hands of other human beings, which is a pretty dangerous thing sometimes because of other people have their own inadequacies and insecurities and judge us against themselves, maybe so they can feel better too. I wonder this morning, what are your insecurities and inadequacies? I know I've got mine, and I imagine if you're honest with yourself and honest with God, you do too. And I wonder this morning even more how you've traded your happiness away for years, listening to that kind of stuff from other people, whether it's a mom or a dad, a brother, a sister, a colleague, a friend, or the whims of culture. How have you traded away your own sense of identity, your own security, who you are? I think Jesus had plenty to say about this. In fact, listen to it from Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Well, Jesus, for the past couple weeks here anyway, in the Sermon on the Mount, begins to look at this outside-inside issue. And it started with our wants and how we make them the treasures of our hearts as if we can gain a sense of satisfaction or security from them. And then he took a look at our needs and how those needs can sometimes breed insecurity or better yet, anxiety. And then he goes to the matter of the heart, which is where does our judgment or where do our judgments come from? And at the heart of them, I submit to you this morning that they really come from our own insecure feelings about our inadequacies. We judge other people so we can feel better about ourselves. And his point is really this. If you want to have a happy life, if you want to know who you are and who God has created you to be, ask yourself who you're trying to please. Is it God or is it other people around you? You answer that question correctly and the wants and the needs and the insecurities, well, they begin to change. And so Jesus really delves into this issue of judging. And look, our culture loves this word. Are you with me? Don't judge. How many times have we been told that over the last 10 or 15 years? But what's a biblical perspective on judging? I want you to recognize that this word judge is something that we do every day in our lives. Even the people say that they're the least judgmental people they know, which is a judgment, ironically. We make judgments all the time. Scripturally speaking, of course we make judgments. We are able to judge between uh, good and evil. We do this according to the Scriptures, of course. It's, it's God's version, not ours. We discern um, right and wrong. We, we do this all the time. We take a look at facts, judicial cases. We want to seek to have influence over the lives of our kids or our friends. We express our opinions, our criticisms, and unfortunately, at times, condemnation. That's judgment. Now, you make judgments every day. Let me offer you an example. If there were a van that pulled up into your neighborhood, a van with no windows, and it parked right outside your house, and on the van was spray-painted, free candy inside, are you getting in the van? Of course not. 
Well, you've just made a judgment, haven't you? You make judgments every day. And in fact, those judgments in a lot of uh, respects keep you alive. And this is what we do. And God gives us gifts to judge things, of course. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the faculty of our conscience. He gives us the scriptures. He gives us brothers and sisters to discern with us what's good for our lives and what's not helpful for our lives. So what is it that Jesus is after when he says, judge not that you be not judged? Here it is. We were never given the right to judge another human being's sacred worth or their eternal destiny. That's not our right. That's God's right alone. And to put ourselves in such a place is to place ourselves in the place of God. So to call somebody worthless, you've just made a judgment. To say that they're not worth it, you've just made a judgment. To say that they're headed to hell in a gas truck, you've just made a judgment. And that's the kind of stuff that Jesus is after. In fact, he goes on to say this. He says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Where we go wrong is judging other people and completely missing our own stuff. And really, to get back to the heart of the matter, the plank in our eye is at the root of our insecurity and our feelings of inadequacy. And rather than be able to see ourselves more clearly, it's a whole lot easier to point out other people's inadequacies and the insecurities that surround them. And so we judge over and over and over again. And it's at the root of our anger, our fear, our insecurity, and more importantly, our spiritual bankruptcy. We live in a world, strangely enough, that has these chants of don't judge. And yet what we fail to miss is we can call sin, sin. And at the same time, we can love the sinner, can't we? And the reason we can love the sinner, the reason we can love someone with a speck in their eye is because if we're honest with ourselves, we've got plenty of planks in our own. It's gotten backwards somewhere along the way. In fact, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal, I think, that illustrates such a thing. It seems as though in a major city there was a man who was trying to get on a subway. Have you ever been to one of those cities and ridden on one of those subways? That's an experience of judgments in and of itself. How do I stay alive for the next 10 minutes till this train comes? And sure enough, this man judged that, that his existence was more important than somebody else's, and so he pushed and, and pulled people out of the way so he could get to the front of the line to get to what I'm sure was the next life-changing meeting that he had to be at. In doing so, somebody had decided that was the last man's push and pull, and so they shoved the man onto the tracks of the subway. Now, the interesting thing was what happened next, not so much the shove onto the tracks, but the fact that as the train is barreling down the tracks, no one stopped to help him. Rather, they took out their cell phones and began to record it on video. And see, that's the judgment. They judged that this man, for his sin, was unworthy, had no sacred value or worth to God or to his family or to anyone else, and so he was worthy of being shoved onto the tracks to put an end to this life that existed on earth. We've gotten it wrong somewhere along the way, friends. We're supposed to judge what's sinful, not the sinners who commit sins. 
And really what Jesus is after has been what he's striving at this entire sermon. It's not the letter of the law, friends. It's what's in our heart. It's the insecurity that leads towards being judgmental of other people. It's the moment that we take joy in the misfortunes or pain or suffering of other people. It's the kind of stuff that makes us combative and angry. And social media has made billions of dollars around this. Do you remember when Facebook just had a like or a dislike? Do you remember those days, a few of you? I mean, it was radical when you pushed the dislike button, and now look at what it's gone to. You've got the mad, angry emoticon and everything else that follows, so you can make sure to spread your vitriolic whatever across all of social media. And if that's not enough, you're given an opportunity to offer commentary and judgment on where everybody else gets it wrong. And that's beginning to erode the fabric of our family systems. Have you noticed this? It's difficult for people to sit down and talk with one another because we judge that their opinions are tied to their sacred worth. I'm thankful that we made it through another voting season in Kentucky. And no, you won't hear any commentary on it from your pastor. Let's simply pray for those who are in office and for those who didn't get there. Can we walk away loving one another, caring about one another, and not judging one another's sacred worth and value? Now there's the question. And the challenge for us in many respects has been that over the last years, maybe 30 or 40, we've taken most of our cues from Hollywood and everywhere else in between. I was reminded of this as Britney Spears' new book came out. Anybody buy it? (laughs) Didn't think so. But nonetheless, she wrote a book on her memoirs. And I began to think about this when she became big. I was about 22 years old, and I'm a lot older now. She's been doing her thing for a really long time. And as I began to hear some of the stories out of her book of memoirs, I wondered, what's really at the heart of what's going on in her life? And so I looked at some of the lyrics to her music. i got to confess, I'm not really a Britney Spears listener. I'm more of a country music guy. But listen to what some of her recent lyrics are. I miss American dreams since I was 17. Don't matter if I step on the scene or sneak away to the Philippines. That's good rhyming. They still going to put pictures of my derriere in the magazine. You want a piece of me? I miss bad media karma, another day, another drama. The book and some of the stories in it, to be frank, I think are heartbreaking. You know where this young woman got her start singing? In a church. In a church. And she was encouraged to trade in her self-worth for the insecurity and the profits of Hollywood. And really what happened is they commoditized her sacred worth and the gifts that she brings and who she is as a person. They encouraged her to throw her pearls to the pigs, to throw what was sacred to the dogs. They capitalized on her beauty, her talent, her innocence, and her insecurity. And so I want you to hear me rightly on this. I'm not judging her. I'm judging the actions of those who've used her along the way for their own gain. And that's what Jesus has to say to us. He says, don't give the dogs what's sacred because they'll tear it to pieces. And even more, don't throw your pearls to the pigs. 
Now, pearls in the ancient world were some of the most precious resources that one could have. In fact, really only the wealthy wore them because they were of such great worth. And so the idea of taking one of the most valuable things in the ancient world and tossing them to a bunch of farm animals who are going to trample them or to dogs who are going to tear them apart is an unthinkable kind of act. And I wonder even more, what about when we do this in our own lives? How we trade our sacred worth to commoditize it, to put it in the hands of someone else who tells us that we're lesser than, that we're unworthy, that we're unlovable, that we're unclean, that we're not good. Because what Jesus has said in the sermon all along is that you're worth more than birds and flowers and all of creation, and to give away your sacred worth for such a thing, it's unthinkable to God. How much so? Well, the gospel is this simple, that God loved you so much, he traded what was sacred and infinite of eternal value and beyond measure for you, for your life. That's how much God loves you. So why would we trade it away? And that brings us back to this issue of insecurity. It presses us to do some strange things, including throw our sacred pearls to the pigs. And the problem with it is this. I guarantee you will never get a ham sandwich in return. There is no return on that investment. You'll just find yourself wanting. So how do we change? And I think this is the struggle. In fact, Nora and I were talking about it before the 11 o'clock service, and I have to confess to you, I didn't like my conclusion to this teaching today. Felt wholly inadequate. So what do we do? How do we not throw our sacred pearls to the pigs? How do we not judge other people? I mean, I think at a simple level, we could just simply say, well, don't judge, and that's the end of it. But I think we've got to go even deeper and recognize what is it that's in our hearts, What is it that leads us to feel insecure? How is it that we feel wholly inadequate? And when we come to the moment of judging another human being as being lesser than, that's the moment we've got to take a look at the plank in our own eye and say, wait a minute. Just like they're struggling, I'm struggling with something too. Just like they have moments of their lives they don't want to read about in the Wall Street Journal, I've got that happening in my life too. And that's what Jesus had to say with this golden rule he offers. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Be charitable and grace-giving to others because that's what you'd have them do to you. When their actions don't honor God, then be kind. And don't be afraid to correct, but stay far away from condemning because with the same measure you measure them, well... That will measure you. And that brings us back to the whole issue of insecurity. You know, I don't think Snow White was born any fairer than anybody else. She was born the same. We're born in the image of God, created and loved by God, of infinite sacred value and worth to God. Where Snow, excuse me, where the witch went wrong along the way is she kept consulting that damn mirror. (laughs) And the man inside told her over and over again, you are second class lady, and look at what it drove her to do. She almost committed murder 
How's it the same in our own lives? Who do we character assassinate? Because we've made the judgment that their sacred value or worth is less than ours. And maybe that's the real lesson. Maybe we've got to look deeper within and figure out what's going on in our hearts before we can say something to somebody else. Let's pray. God, you humble us with these words in so many different directions because we recognize, if we're honest, we are wholly inadequate and yet at the same time entirely loved. That we're insufficient and at the same time you're all sufficient for us. That we try to find our identity everywhere else and as we come spiritually bankrupt to you, you change us and fill us and make us to be pure in heart. And so God, our prayer this morning is that you would not just save us from sin, but that you would deliver us from it entirely. That our hearts would be cleansed in such a way that we would be made complete in love to love what you love, to live how you live, and to love others in the same way that you love us. That's our prayer this morning, God. Change us. Fill us. Wipe away our feelings of inadequacy or insecurity and help us find our identity in who you say we are. Beloved sons and daughters of a God who gave his very life for each one of us.